taking a dump, busting a grumpy, taking the Cleveland Browns to the <laughs> Super Bowl. Up. Um, oh, laying a gentleman's egg. I particularly <laughs> liked that one. Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations Episode 61, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On today's episode, we talk about Jacob, Johan, Nicholas, Nicholas, Daniel, Johan, Johan, and even a Herman. That's right. We're talking about the Bernoullis. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations. Uh, We are a mathematical podcast. We are brought to you by AcmeScience.com and we record in Las Vegas. I have no big, huge intro to go through, so I'm just going to invite on the two guests for this week's episode. We have Mr. Brandon Metz and Mr. Cody Palmer. Yeah, would we ever be allowed to introduce ourselves or is that bad Uh, 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 recording form? I'm just not going to let you do it. Oh, okay. That's bullshit. Uh, I mean, it honestly, it depends on the type of uh, audio uh, project you're in the middle of. This is more of a panel-type show, in which case it is actually not super great form to have the guests introduce themselves. Whereas if you're putting together, say, a big radio journalism thing that's telling a story, and, or if you're Jad Ahmad and Robert Crowich at Radiolab, you will actually have your guests introduce themselves but they're audio wizards and they do amazing things but since i'm not doing editing here or amazing things also actually completely true (laughs) um the only thing amazing about this uh, show was the uh robot penis the dance remix at the end of the last episode which you if you didn't listen listen all the way through the outro of episode 60 and you will hear something that is truly amazing um, it's it's worth noting. I don't know if I got a chance to mention this last episode. I need to give credit where credit is due on the robot penises. Uh, Brandon was the first one to note that these microphones do, in fact, look like robot penises. And it wasn't funny until Cody said it, apparently. Well, no, you're just the dick. <laughs> yeah. No, no, see, it's it's just the... You don't expect it from Cody. I expect it from you. The first time you made the joke, it was actually moderately funny back at, like, episode 35. And I made it ever since. Yes, you did. And it, it stopped being <laughs> funny around episode 36. Well, apparently not. I've ended up on, a, on 60 again. Yeah, but Cody said it, and it became funny. Now, before we go into this episode, I uh, we have to uh, make a correction over something we said back in episode 59, which was the which Algorithms was episode. Okay. Uh, and this is an email from Brian F. And he wanted to point out that we used uh, coins making change as an example of when the greedy algorithm would not work. This is not technically true. Because if you take the coins that the United States currently does have, mm-hmm. the greedy algorithm does work entirely. And Brian made a nice little Python uh, program that shows that that Look is entirely at this true. guy. He's on top of his shit. Yeah, he definitely knows more than we do. <laughs> but we can't all be computer scientists. Indeed, indeed. Uh, he he even describes himself as a neurotic computer scientist. But I would like to point out that if Was you... Was he like the house of computer science or something? like The monk of computer okay. science, I, I would imagine, being properly neurotic. Uh, or the Jeff... I would call house neurotic, too. I... Maybe maybe the Jeff Goldblum of computer science. <laughs> the greatest neurotic actor ever. Uh but I do want to point out if you remove nickels from uh, the from the United States coin system, which is I believe the example I was trying to pull from when I thought of it, it no longer works in a greedy algorithm. Oh, thirty-one cents is the perfect example uh, because if you take thirty-one cents using a greedy method without nickels, you would get a quarter and then six pennies because you take the largest one possible first. 
Whereas the actual optimized way would be three dimes in a penny. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, he wants to put out an appeal for the brute force approach. It's ugly and inefficient, which he agrees with, but it's very simple uh, to prove Pro- things. Yeah. And also, some quite often, it's, it's pretty simple to program. And I, I don't disagree, but you do, as he points out, need a small data set. Well, yeah. If you use if you have a hu- if you're using a huge data set and you use brute force, it's gonna take forever. You yeah. won't get anything accomplished. You might as well just you know give up. Yeah, and and he does point out that the four color theorem was proved using a brute force method. It was a very modified brute force method after, since they had already minimized their domain as much as they could. But he is entirely true. And Brian, thank you very much for writing in this very well reasoned and obviously better researched. Uh, thing about algorithms than we had to be honest cody and i we don't get to do much research when we come on here we we learn about this about 30 seconds into the show if you just knew as much about mathematics as i'd well algorithm okay okay first of all well we have specific algorithms should we let's go let's get in some talking here cody about algebra again this has we got a couple algorithms we can okay no i'm 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 joking. I have Wikipedia open in front of me all the time. And, but thank you very much for writing. And anyone else who hears something that we say with, that is clearly <laughs> wrong, please send me an email, samuel at acmescience.com. And if I view that you are correct, that we are wrong, I will be more than happy to talk about your email on the air. Or if you would prefer not to have that happen, I will be very happy not to talk about it. On the episode, you got something to say? No, I was saying we should just do it anyways. You can oh, say that. Oh no, but. no, no! I I respect the people who are I'm still, brave enough see, to listen. The to The thing us. is, if they if they send these in, I'm still every time I come here, I'm in awe that people listen to us. You you realize oh. that when I was putting out the call for I listen and I hate you messages, I actually did get a few of those, which I realize I never which, mentioned. What was this again? Oh, uh, this is still open to anyone who is listening. Uh, anyone. Who wants to send me in an email that says, I listen and I hate you? That's all it is. That's in the subject line. Nobody. Where can I send this? Samuel at AcmeScience.com. We had uh, J.M. Stitt on Twitter. uh, James, uh, well, James Clare, apparently I'm going to say his whole name. Uh, And he is uh, at Blue Combats on Twitter. My uh, so all he said was, "I hate you." I, I listen, listen and I hate you. Uh, <laughs> These people are my crazy. my podcast co-host on Math Maths, uh, Peter Rowlett, also sent one in. <laughs> even they hate you. But even he hates me, and he has a show with me. I feel that I might be missing a few of the people who I listen and I hate me. <laughs> Cody, when are you going to send one in? I I did not. I did not send one in. Oh, uh, we have. Uh, Jesse O and Cooper W as well. So all those people listen and hate me and I very much respect all of them for it. So remember, I listen and I hate you. Subject line, nobody. Uh, send that samuelacmescience.com and please, we haven't had an iTunes review in forever. Go on to iTunes, write a review. If you list, list your favorite combinations of permutations, guess I will do everything I can to get them to come on and thank you personally for the review. And you get a virtual high five for hating Sam from me. Okay. Well, there you go. So now shall we go on and actually talk about this math topic that we always come up with? Let's go for it. Okay. So this week, we're going to be talking about Nicholas, Jacob, Nicholas, Yonin, Nicholas, Nicholas, Daniel, Yonin, Yonin, Daniel, Nicholas, Jacob, Nicholas, Fritz, Theodore, Herman, Maria and Hans. The Bernoullis. Exactly. It's way too many fucking Bernoullis. <laughs> well, we're only going to talk about uh, somewhere around eight of them. Uh, there's uh, three of the Nicholases we won't actually talk about. My... They really like the name Nicholas and Jacob. Yeah, clearly, because I thought you were just Yacob. sitting. I thought you were just sitting here going Nick, Nicholas, Nicky. <laughs> Nick. I'm just like the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Like a record skipping. Well, the Bernoullis are the most prolific single family in the history of mathematics. They are intense. Eight of them were accomplished mathematicians. Three or four of them much more accomplished than everyone else. Didn't didn't Leopatow steal his role from one of the Bernoullis? 
Who? Lapatal's rule. They take the limit. You can take the derivative of the top. Oh, bottom. okay. That was stolen Lopetal. from Lapatal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was I'm stolen. Down. I think that was stolen from Bernoulli's. I no, no Lapatal paid for it. He did, did. He pay for it. He did pay for it. That was at least that's my understanding of the legend. And a word about the Bernoulli family. I would oh, like uh, Lapatal's rule also called Bernoulli's rule. Oh snap! I, I would like to point out about the Bernoulli family. He said that those buying most, it still doesn't mean he came up with it. He said it was <laughs> the most prolific family. I'd like to note that if things go my way, they will soon be eclipsed by the Palmers. Yeah, clearly soon. Just how second, many other? Aren't, aren't you one? the first Palmer mathematician that I know of? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You got a couple generations. Well, hey, you know, if I, I figure if I have sixteen kids, well, let's see that happen first. Uh, yeah, so Sorry, it Cody. was uh, it was believed uh, Lapital's rule was uh, believed to have first been discovered by Jonan Bernoulli, who's the second one that we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about first going in chronological order. And by the way, if you go on Wikipedia, they actually have a family tree, a Dude, Bernoulli that is, family that, that tree. That is hardcore. That is awesome. Seriously, it's huge. Wow, that's bigger than my family tree. I mean, <laughs> and and so we're first going to talk about uh, and. Uh, we're first going to talk about uh, Jakob and Jonan Bernoulli. Uh, they were the two sons of Nicholas Bernoulli. There was a third son who's also called Nicholas Bernoulli. He was the middle son, uh, but he was not a mathematician. Uh, his son was, and we will get to him. It's always later the middle on. child that's the weird one. Probably well, uh, there, there is. Actually, I believe he was a painter. <laughs> oh, shit. I totally thought that. I told you. Uh, so but they're the middle son of one of these two. Uh, one of these two, I'll get to which one later, was actually the most accomplished of the sons in mathematics. So, first up, Jakob, also known as James or Jacques. Why James? <laughs> I don't know. James sounds a lot like Jacob. James, Jacob. Jock, uh, Jocks, and Jacob and Jacob are, I think, all one's just the French version, one's the you know, like German Swiss version. And if being from Switzerland, because he was born in Basel, uh, he would his family probably would have spoken multiple languages. Oh, that's totally true. Swiss. Okay, so he was born in Basel, as I mentioned, and he originally studied theology and entered the ministry. As it seems like a lot of the mathematicians from this era. The era, I probably should point out, he was born in 1654 and he passed in 1705. Um, so this is... You, wait, what year did he, was he born? 1654. Okay. So he was uh, At first I thought you said 50, 16, 51 when he died. I totally, I totally thought you said 1604 to, to 17. I'm like, shit. <laughs> okay, and, but he also studied mathematics <clears throat> and astronomy and does, do either of you know what his uh, really... I mean, maybe not the thing he's most well known for, but his most influential kind of uh, thing that he did in mathematics. There's a lot of Bernoullis, and they never specify which one. Uh, if, when you uh, talk about a Bernoulli rule, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess. Uh, statistics or probability? Well, actually, probability is what he's most known for. Okay. I would not say that was his most influential area. Uh, and, but we can hit on uh, Bernoullis were highly successful in the physics too. They they were in physics. Uh, so he was known uh, for a probability, but he's only known for probability after his death. Uh, it was something uh, published by his nephew, one of his nephews named Nicholas, because <laughs> there was more than one, uh, <laughs> uh, called The Art of Conjecture. Uh, and that was where the f a bunch of the first known results in probability theory, actually, I think it was the first book written on probability theory, because it was just before this that Pascal and Fermat developed probability theory. And it was also where the idea of Bernoulli numbers and Bernoulli trials was first written down, which is very important when you start getting into repeated trial work. I actually teach my students in Math 132 Bernoulli trials. And uh, that's just a way of, if you uh, conduct the same thing over and over again, say flipping a coin, how uh, the probability that heads will come up Brandon a certain amount of times. Brandon uses Bernoulli trials to make important decisions. This is true. I do Except, flip coins. <laughs> no, but when coins aren't available, I spit on a rock. And he flips a rock. It could be a totally, like... What kind of uh, decisions? What to eat. 
mostly. Important decisions, you ask me. But <laughs> I think it's pretty important because if I don't eat, I die. But, I mean, that's important. I just can't decide what I want to eat. So I'm like, I don't know. So and you, won't, you won't let and me And sometimes I'll have three choices. And I have to do like a, I have to do a trial. Where like, I, have to, I have to do like a ladder, like a tournament ladder to find out what I want to <laughs> eat. It's ridiculous. Okay. Right? Uh, I just realized I said Yonin. It's <laughs> Johan. Not Yonin oh, Bernoulli. Okay. I've been saying it the entire time. I cannot believe that, that I did like that. Johan. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> but I would argue that his most influential... Uh, this is Jacob we're talking about. His most influential uh, contribution to mathematics was how he became familiar with calculus through uh, Gottfried Leibniz. And uh, along with his brother, Johan, who we're going to talk about in a second really help to further infinitesimal calculus specifically leibnizian calculus so what you're Good saying shit. what you're saying is he essentially defeated newton he was he was one of he and his brother he was like the, he was like the leibniz he was robin know. yeah okay he was robin to leibniz's batman I, actually, no, I, I'd go even higher than that. He was... I was trying, uh, to, I was was trying to think like, of him as the Luke Skywalker to Leibniz as Yoda. I, no, no, I, I think it's pretty... Defeating I think, the Darth I think that Leibniz is Superman and Batman. And uh, <laughs> Johan and uh, Jacob are kind of like the Flash and Green Lantern in the Justice League. Like, they're not the big boy, but they're very, very important and powerful one and a half tier members, and they can make tornadoes with their hands. Who are we talking? Sorry, I was. Which one? I, I'm not the very. The Flash good with can do DC. tornadoes. He's very okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm. I'm not, I don't actually know too much about DC Comics. It just seemed like the Justice League was the thing to talk DC about. DC Comics there. is my realm. I know. That's why I was sure. looking at you when I asked that question. <laughs> I, I know a lot about the Image Comics imprint. <laughs> no, I just I read a lot of DC Comics. Okay, and so it and along with his brother Young. Johan, who we're about to start talk about in a second, they published a lot of papers about, uh, say, transcendental curves, isoperiometry. Uh, I, I opened I opened up that page so I could what? give a definition. <laughs> Geometric inequality involving the square of the circumference of a closed curve in the planes and the area of a plane region it encloses. Oh, clearly. Yeah, yeah. man. We, we all know a lot about this. Oh, yeah, very just, we were talking about that the other day. And this is something that Cody will be very excited about. He was the first person to develop the technique for solving separable differential equations. That makes him pretty amazing. That makes him pretty... I mean, so, separable so separable differential equations, well, like the easiest differential equation you can yeah, solve. Yeah, but you got to remember, I calculus... Think he did this in 1690. Calculus right, 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 had been developed like five yeah. years before. Yeah, to, be, to be honest, yeah, that's... To make that... I mean, yeah, it seems obvious to us now... But like that would be a big jump because how do you know that you can just Huge. that you can just you can just multiply yeah. if you have dy over dx how do you know you can just you know multiply by dx and then just take the deriv the antiderivative yeah. of both sides to get that yeah that idea that's of, a pretty big jump there that idea even then of of I mean the big thing back then was we were they were amazed when they could find roots of equations and now the idea that you can find an unknown equation based on some information about the way it changes number of equations. is uh and, and he made the first step towards that that was a that was a uh, i mean if left alone would we have thought of that on our own uh, who knows no i can say categorically i would not have i don't really i'm not really into de's i, I just know that i'm not that smart <laughs> i mean it takes a certain type of mind to do some of these things, and I don't think that I have that type of mind. Well, it's continuous, so you don't belong there anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and so now now let's move on to Jacob's brother, Johan Bernoulli, also known as Jean or John. Both uh, of which are the, Fre the French and the Anglo version of Johan is, are those names. Man, these people have too many names. Okay, so... I would argue that Johann is actually the most influential of the Bernoullis. At least he he had the most results, and he's also by far the most interesting. Do either of you know anything specifically about Johann? Uh, no, not about Johann. I, I know stuff about Bernoulli. Which one, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually, all about Randy Bernoulli. I bet that most of them <laughs> yeah. came from Johann. So what's something? I, I'll, I'll give you a yes or no. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Bernoulli effect. One of them. I actually don't know what that is. The Bernoulli effect when you have a ball, like for example, the um, 
when you have uh, air moving around a curved surface. Moves, it's, oh, it's it's from a uh, fluid dynamics. Yeah. It, isn't it like isn't that what they call when they, it moves faster around a? I I would I would I would say no on that one. I don't think that would be associated with Johann Bernoulli. Well, it's, it's one Bernoulli, that's right, for sure. Right, right. The Bernoulli I don't. Effect, I don't think that it actually <clears throat> is any of really? the Bernoulli's. That's totally weird. What? Oh, so it was just so named, it's like it was the, named in honor of? Oh no no it it is it's uh it is not. Uh, Johan. Oh man, which one of the other fifteen is it? Because I'm dying to know. It was Johan's son. <laughs> Close enough. That's pretty Daniel. darn good. <laughs> Daniel that didn't fit the scheme. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, it really didn't. So, one, he was the doctoral advisor for uh, Euler. That's a pretty big freaking <laughs> honor to have. Yeah, Man, yeah. I would die to be that. <laughs> yeah, you would be dead. Yeah. That was I a would, long would, time ago. I would be okay with that. I would I, I would totally go back in time and take his place just okay, for that because so that would be awesome. Jan uh, was born 13 years after Jacob. He was born in 1667, uh, and he lived much longer, 1748. So uh, he originally was a study – he originally studied medicine – uh, didn't enjoy it, went to mathematics. Who would? And so then he actually studied under his brother. His uh, brother was his doctoral advisor. Ugh. Uh, but, that is rough. I can't... <laughs> that would be so... Uh, but they both worked heavily on the Leibnizian calculus. And he uh, began to teach differential equations. And in 1713, he said, this is after his brother's death, he sided very heavily on Leibniz's side of calculus. As a matter of fact, he is one of the major reasons that Newton's form of the calculus did not catch on at all in the continent. But it also had a deleterious effect because he also studied with uh, Descartes. And he decided, since he hated Newton and loved Descartes, <laughs> that he was going to sponsor the vortex theory instead of newton's theory of gravitation okay now that is such a much more badass name than the vortex theory theory. yeah but it's also quite clearly wrong newton (laughs) newton's calculus was shit his physics was top notch yeah i don't think we can (laughs) no the vortex theory i i looked something into it something like it's impossible for there to be nothing around so there has to be mass everywhere or some shit like that clearly in a vacuum that makes sense (laughs) okay uh so uh he so he's a big fan of newton he also did a lot of work with say hydrodynamics uh but let's get to some of his more interesting things he and jacob did not get along Oh, man. Uh, as, this brothers, was, as brothers are wont. Yeah. Well, this is right after he graduated with him as his advisor, and he's starting to become a bit bigger than his brother. Oh, no. The he, tension. He is actually probably a more talented mathematician. Uh, and so they're very, very competitive. Uh, and so they kept on trying to outdo one another. And then uh, after – after okay uh, – so this is what happened. So do you guys know what a uh, catenary is? Okay, a, caten- so, a catenary. Yes, sorry. The, cosine, the hyperbolic cosine. Yeah, but, but what no. is it? What is it? What's its application? Because this is one that actually comes from an application before math. Um, isn't uh, well? Okay, so when this is this a, is what I know. A chain. If you're holding a chain at two ends and the slack is there's yes. the end, that forms a catenary. Yeah. yeah. Or that's, a wire, any kind of yeah. Kind that's, of well, that's thing. exactly it. They it was that, and they were wanting to model that, and it was a problem that was posed by Jacob and uh, solved by Yo. <laughs> uh, which well, it was it was finding the actual model of the curve, which, as you said, is the graph, the hyperbolic cosine, and and they're very they're very useful and incredibly useful in architecture. Show up all the all over the place in architecture. I saw a few very amazing ones in La Sagrada Familia when I was in Barcelona, isn't, actually. Isn't a catenary, catenary the solution to the Brachistochrone problem? No. No? But that is another one that I was just about to talk about. That was another problem that was posed by Jacob and solved by I have to Johan. ask what this problem is. Cause uh, you, you so he posed it and his brother solved it? Man. Well, yeah, Jacob posed both of those and his brother solved both of them. Just to, Owned. Just to, 
Yeah, just like that would in just, your face. Wouldn't that just be like a slap in the fucking face? Like, though that would be horrible. Look, I would. He'd just look at me like, motherfucker, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> okay. Uh, no, uh, the Brachistocone is the curve of fastest descent. Oh, that's the calculus of variation shit? Yep. Yeah. And that, that was that. originally posed by Jacob and then uh, solved by Johan. Uh, and then I think, later... I think one of our, I think our real NASP professor went off on that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He was talking about that for a while. Curve of fastest descent. Although calculus of variations ends up being very interesting. Who knew? Um calculus in the oh oh never mind i actually got that wrong uh no that one was posed by johan and he within two years he received five answers one of which was from jacob so he got him back (laughs) so jacob Jacob got him back i I need to i need to read these a little bit more see that makes it that makes it like so much more interesting now i think now that we know that fact we could probably start writing like a showtime original series on these guys i will it will it be a prequel to the uh Life and times of uh, life and times in Kronecker and Cantor's living room. I think that would be an <laughs> awesome sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh. Oh. So here it is. Uh, Lapital uh, hired Johann Bernoulli to tutor him in mathematics, and there was a signed contract. Yes, there was to use Bernoulli's discoveries as he pleased. What a little bitch. Oh, hey, Bernoulli signed it. That's true. So it's what a, a dumb So, so Lapital's textbook was mainly, really mainly the, the work of Bernoulli. What a fucking <laughs> dick. Hey, Bernoulli signed if it. I, if, I I ever, if I ever teach calculus, if I ever teach calculus, I am going to teach them Bernoulli's rule. Yeah, but you know what, though? I agree. That's... I, if Bernoulli signed the contract, he gets what he deserves. Yes, I just feel that even though See, he give... did not have to charge <clears throat> him extra to use them, I just feel he should have credited. Which he didn't. I would be okay, but, you know, <clears throat> probably because Bernoulli doesn't give a fuck it. because he, he's already too famous anyways. So he's like, whatever, take what you want. You're still not going to amount to anything else. Yeah, I mean, technically he did own it. I just feel <clears throat> that it's it's a little bit... Dickish to publish it as <clears throat> if it was your discovery. La- it's like scumbag, scumbag Lapital. <laughs> Sign a contract. Takes all your theums. <laughs> you know. You know what it is. You know what it is. It was fucking early Edison. That is true. <laughs> Edison was not an amazing <clears throat> inventor. He was just amazingly good at leveraging the inventions of everyone he employed. He was such a dick too. Oh well, I mean a. A uh, misogynistic, anti-Semitic, Nazi-loving douchebag. Sounds like Walt Disney. <laughs> uh, well, oh. he, he was he was he was close friends with Henry Ford, uh, who was also <laughs> one of history's great douchebags, uh, as the uh, podcast Hank Riot, I believe, called him. Uh, but I I know that Disney had had quite a few dickish tendencies, but I don't think he was Nazi-loving. No, I think no. he was anti-Semitic. I no, don't he's think totally he was, anti-Semitic. But I don't believe he was Nazi loving. <laughs> okay, so let's let's move on to uh, well. First up, this is going to be Nicholas, the non-mathematician's kid, Nicholas One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Nicholas's yeah, father was a painter and alderman of Basel. Don't know how you picked that out, but that was good work. I, it just seemed to fit. If you weren't a mathematician, what's the the next opposite thing? So you he, be? he graduated under his uncle uh, <laughs> Jacob, and then published a work on uh, probability theory, which included his uncle's uh, Bernoulli trial and Bernoulli numbers. Uh, work. He also worked on differential equations and geometry. Uh, University of Basel chair in logic. Uh, but most of his very important uh, work was actually done in letters, including one where he introduced the St. Petersburg uh, paradox, and he also oh, that's so cool. wrote letters to Leibniz and Euler. You actually know the St. Petersburg oh, paradox? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's... well, then you're going to be talking about it later on, because oh. it really is I talk covered... about this. I talk about this with my students. Okay, well, good. Then you can go through your whole spiel in a bit when we actually get to that part. So now, next up, Nicholas II. The first and oldest son of Johann Bernoulli. And he was born in 1695, died 1726, actually before his father. He worked with curves, differential equations, and probability theory, fluid dynamics, and was a contemporary of Euler. 
being anything related to Euler is just be- well. Almost everyone of this era, uh, the no, it was, no, it was were, were contemporaries Euler, yeah. and were friends with Euler, maybe <clears throat> because you know he studied under their dad or uncle, and there were like twelve mathematicians back then. This is true. <laughs> they so, all know Euler. Uh, so he's the oldest brother. And he's going to be—he's older brother of Daniel Bernoulli, and Daniel Bernoulli is the most important of this generation by far. Okay. And he was the one who dis- he discussed with him the Saint Petersburg paradox, which once again we will get to, because Daniel is the one who ended up solving the Saint Petersburg paradox, which is a fact that you can now use in your class. I'm gonna forget that. <laughs> I'm not gonna remember that shit. Uh. And so he also uh, he also uh, did some correspondence about the priority dispute between Newton and Leibniz. I believe he may have been one of the people who tried to kind of, uh, you know, lessen it a bit, you know, kind of like, this is what happened. I, I think that he may have been one of the people who really tried to uh, deal with that. He also uh, taught for a while at the St. Petersburg Academy. Uh, and... His professorship was the one, uh, after he died, that Euler himself took over. So it was his death that allowed Euler to get a St. Petersburg chair. So, honestly, it's a good thing he died when he did. Yeah. Because if you remember from the Euler episode, very, very important time in Euler's life. Oh, yeah, because wasn't he going to, like, leave if he didn't? He was going back to a... Well, it's because he was there not teaching math at first, and then he got that chair, which was very important to him. So now... I think I was thinking of... Daniel Bernoulli. So, (laughs) there's a lot of uh, very interesting things to do with him. He was the one who did uh, the uh, fluid dynamics thing that we were talking about earlier. Bernoulli effect. Yeah, the Bernoulli effect. also, he had an interesting relationship with his father. Uh-oh. So after Jacob died, Johann decided to transfer all of his jealousy and competitiveness <clears throat> to his son. Dude, what wow. a douche. Wow, that's kind of mean. Hey, son, guess what? My brother's dead. So guess what? You're my freaking nemesis now. It's <laughs> like some Darth Vader, Luke, Luke Skywalker shit right there. Okay, and so his father did not <clears throat> want him to... Um, <clears throat> To study mathematics. He wanted him to study business, which he agreed to as long as his father tutored him in mathematics. And then later on, uh, medicine, which also under the condition his father would tutor him in mathematics. So uh, he worked, uh, he was actually friends with Euler. Like he was a close friend with Euler, which is lucky bastard. Kind of kick ass. <laughs> that, that's pretty, pretty solid. Who's your best friend? Ass. Euler. Shit. <laughs> so, uh, but one thing he worked on uh, was, was uh, as I mentioned before, fluid dynamics. I'm trying to find the specific part that uh, gives me the names of everything. Uh, but he was working on fluid dynamics. Can someone else just talk? I'm, I'm, I'm too busy staring at my screen. I can talk about the St. Peter. Per- okay, yeah. Peter, so, so he was the person who... Who solved the St. Petersburg Paradox. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, God, this is going to be horrible listening to you. Sorry, because there's going to be a lot of plosives. St. Petersburg Paradox. I'm going to try. I'm going to, yeah. Just uh, because you said that, I'm going to make sure I... Okay, and this, this is a probability and statistics yeah, so, kind of problem. <clears throat> in the statement that I saw, first saw it, I saw this in college when I took probability. And it was, um, if you have... And it's a, it's a problem dealing with expected value. Which, of course, is what you should, um, what, well, layman's terms, expected value is what you would expect to happen over a long period, on average, over a period of time. For example, like, you know, if you, games of chance, when you're dealing with money, right, so how much money should you expect to lose on average or gain on average over time, every time you play? And so the St. Petersburg paradox is one like this, where I think it played, uh, you flip a coin, and if you get t- on the kth flip, if you get heads, you get two to the k dollars, right? So uh, this is similar. They were actually talking about yeah. a lottery that was in. St. Yeah, this is, but it's, this is, but it's of the same idea. This is the same. It works the same way. So what you have is that the way to compute expected probability is to look at the outcomes, which in this case, your outcomes are going to be your monetary values, what you win, which is two to the kth dollars, depending on what k- the kth flip that you get heads. 
and the probabilities, which is given by well, you know, that's given by they're and they're independent. Yeah, so it's given by so, the Bernoulli <clears throat> yeah. trial. So method. what you happen? So what happens here is you get the probability. His uncle's method. What? Yeah. What happens <laughs> here is the expected value actually ends up being a sum um, of the probabilities, which well, the probability that you get heads, tails, 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 and then heads on the kth flip is one over two to the kth power. You multiply that by the outcome, which is two to the k, and so essentially you get. The sum of, well, from 1 to infinity of 1. And so it's just 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1. And so essentially the expected value is infinity. And so the question is, how can you make, is this a fair game? Can you make it, how much would you have to pay to make it a fair game? Which is what I usually say. And well, you'd have to pay infinitely many dollars for it to be a fair game, where the expected value would even out to be zero. And you can't do that. So there's the paradox yeah. into that. Yeah, that's the paradox. And uh, how is it, uh, why, uh, or how... How in the real world was it dealt with? Oh, I don't even remember. I... Uh, there's a uh, finite amount of money and a finite yeah, yeah, number yeah, yeah, of people yeah. playing it. So you can't, it just turns out it didn't matter. This it was also, You always win at that game, and it's yeah. always a favor of you. This, uh, yeah, ex if you uh, can play it with an infinite number of times. True. Uh, now, it, this was actually the birth of the utility function, uh, which is not uh, an area of economic theory, which I'm not... Uh, versed enough to actually get utility into utility function makes me think of game theory. Well, it is, it, it's it's involved in game theory as well. Okay. It's also involved. Yeah, because you talk about utility risk. You talk about utility in yeah. the simple uh, zero sum games. Well, it's I mean because this is a, a decision model problem in the end, which means mm. that it goes into risk theory, which then yeah. translates into game theory. Uh, now, Daniel, here's here's what happened. So he. Uh, he was at one time uh, entering for uh, a University of Paris science prize, and he tied for first place with his father. Oh, man. Here's, here's the quote from Wikipedia. Johan, unable to bear the shame of being compared as Daniel's equal, <laughs> banned Daniel from his house. <laughs> wow. What a dick! This is what a dick! It's like the perfect... So, it, even in mathematicians... You still can never please your father, no matter what. Yeah, you can never get your father's... Well, a lot of times your father wants you to best him, wants you to do even better than he did. Not this guy. Not this guy at all. So, uh, there was... Uh, Daniel was working on a book called Hydrodynamica. Really? I wonder what that's about. Mm. Only to have <laughs> Johan plagiarized some of the ideas in his own book, Hydraulica, <laughs> and then <laughs> backdate it so that it appears to be two years younger, or two years older, than Hydrodynamica. What a dick. Wow. <laughs> he backdated it. They, they wrote it at essentially the same time, and it's arguable whether or not it was plagiarized or just came up with it at the same point. But uh, this is this says plagiarization, and he definitely backdated it, so it's two years beforehand. This is hilarious. Wow! Like these, damn, he must have hated. Why, they why, must have hated each other. Then. Why you gotta be so bitter? I mean, if my kid were to were to tie for me in some sort of science prize like that, I'd, I'd be, be proud. I'd be, I'd like, be like, damn son, you're good. I'd be like, there's a reason your middle name is Boss. Okay, and so Daniel also worked on kinetic theory of gases, uh, applied the idea to explain Boyle's law, worked with Euler on the Euler-Bernoulli beam equation. It's his name in there. Uh, Is that the fourth order PDE? Uh, a theory of elasticity and, well, yeah. some uh, aerodynamics. All those things worked with, with uh, Euler. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah, it does look like there's might be a fourth order. So yeah. what is it? It's, uh, what's special about the the big thing about the beam equation? It's designed to model the uh, uh, vibrations of a beam set on a pivot, and depending on where the pivot is, affects your boundary conditions, so mm, on and so the forth. Beam. I thought that was a indeed, dude's name. At indeed, first. indeed. That's... Uh, and uh, what what's interesting about it? Why it's actually interesting is because it it's sort of a a rarity that you get a fourth order partial different partial differential equation to model intense. a uh, to model a real world situation. 
Um, so that ends up, that was, that's kind of the novel. I mean, it's useful in modeling, but there's sort of a novelty to it. That's, oh, it's fourth order and useful. Okay, so let's move on to... There's such a thing? Johan II Bernoulli. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is the youngest of <coughs> Johan's sons. Um, and he was once a professor of eloquence. That is pretty cool. At the University of Basel. Awesome, right? That is very uh, impressive. He won a French Academy Prize for suggestive studies of ether. Uh, he, <laughs> I think he was probably suggesting ether lick his balls. <laughs> that's my that would that's my suggestion to ether. Ether's uh, a bunch of bullshit. Uh, let's see. He uh, succeeded his father as a professor of mathematics at Basel. A three-time prize award winner at the Academy of Sciences in Paris for capstan propagation of light and magnets. And his sons were the last notable mathematicians of the Bernoulli family. He had four sons. He's the only Bernoulli of this era that has uh, children. And two of those uh, four sons were mathematicians. Johann III Bernoulli... (laughs) They're not, it's, like uh, George, it's like George Foreman. Who, who got his doctor of, in philosophy <clears throat> at 13. Well, things were different back then. It does, that's earlier than Euler. Not impressed. I, I'm, still, I'm still pretty impressed. Uh, let's see. He translated Euler's Elements of Algebra. He did honest, some astronomical, geographical, and mathematical work as well. Not as prolific as any of the previous uh, Bernoulli. Well, not as prolific as the prolific ones of the previous eras. And then Jacob II, uh, who's the younger brother of Johann III, originally did uh, this is confusing <laughs> literary literary studies. Then uh, did some geography, experimental physics, uh, and married. Uh, a few, uh, married a few months before his tragic uh, drowning while bathing. Uh, Shit! <laughs> they a- bathed in lakes and streams. I want to point out. I wonder if it was like, like, it's like river monsters. Yeah, you know. You but know. he married a few months before he died. Was there a well fish in there? To a granddaughter of Euler. Nice, dude. That is pretty. I bet there. I bet Euler's. No, Anything remember Euler's, Euler's Euler's picture. I bet they were pretty hideous. <laughs> I can't be well. Euler was pretty hideous, but I bet he had. I bet he had some mean genes. That's for sure. Well, mean bet she was brilliant. That could be sexy. That's that's man drowning. You know who else drowned? What other ma- famous mathematician drowned? Or he's so drowned. Yeah, Ur- the he created Ur- That's, Yeah, he did. He did fucking he drowned drown. at a young age. Yeah, he was like twenty two or twenty five. Man, we need to stay away from water. This is true. Wait, wait. I thought. Well, have you ever been in a math department? It smells like ass most of the time. Uh, okay. So yeah, it seems we're pretty good at that. <laughs> okay, and, and <laughs> not me. So, I bathe every day, maybe twice. Me, me too. Me too. Okay, that's, that's actually bad for you. Uh, to I use get, soap that often. I, well, I don't usually always use soap. So okay, well then, uh, yeah, then it's yeah, then it's okay. Well, no, no. It's still actually it's bad for your body's immune system. Well, yeah, you can't because you're losing all the oils. You're well, you're you're losing all the oils, which is very bad. But you're also losing a lot of very helpful bacteria that you need when you use soap. And my second time, I bathe. I, I use shower a when toad. I. Uh... <laughs> okay, and so the Wikipedia article lists this as the oh one of the last notable members of the Bernoulli family. I thought it said uh, last notable member, which. Turns out would not be true because when you look farther down uh, the Bernoulli family tree, uh, so Johann II's third son, Nicholas IV, <laughs> had a son, Nicholas, oh my God. who had a son, Fritz, who had a daughter, Maria. Now it's just going crazy. Who married Hermann Hess. Really? Yeah. Siddhartha? Siddhartha Damien. <laughs> Yeah, who's one of a, really? I love his work. He's a fantastic. That's crazy. Fantastic that's, so, that's such author. a random. That's such a random thing. Yeah, uh, and so <clears throat> I, I want to point out that Herman Hess, part of the Bernoulli family tree. That which is, is so awesome. cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know who Herman Hess. He wrote is. The, the, He was a, he was an author. He wrote a lot of really good works. Uh, Sid, yeah, Sid Harto was one of them, which was um, which was a, a similar fictional account, a fictional of, account of, of, of the life Buddha. of the Buddha. 
And, but okay. it wasn't exact. It, it's not the same. He twisted a lot of things that, from the traditional life, but it's a fictional account. It's yeah. not the same thing. You can't read it and be like, oh, that's what the Buddha yeah, did. Yeah, but it, like, it was never. I mean, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I mean, it was but, meant to be. But it's, it's one of those books kind of along with uh, uh, Kerouac's On the Road yeah. that you see every slightly long-haired, hippie-ish uh, hippie type person reading. Except Siddhartha is a fantastic read. It's I read that really for Buddhism. Well yeah, class, and, and it was it was very good. It's it's really good. I really my favorite of his is uh, Demian, which I is I uh, I believe if I damn it I cannot remember entirely, but it has a lot to do with the Mark of Cain. He really liked taking uh, really liked taking religious concepts and twisting them a lot. Uh, so plot summary: uh, mists. Oh, it had a lot to do with uh, World of Illusion uh, and the World of Spiritual Illusion truth. or Illusion? Illusion. Okay. Okay. And, and so, I mean, just in general, I, I would suggest reading some Herman Hesse. It's, it, it's, it's very well, 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 well written stuff. Don't really have too much else to say beyond that. It's just a cool little thing. That, that's yeah. kind of random, but cool. Uh, and another thing I, I do want to mention, I was talking to David Singmaster, who's the guy who introduced the Rubik's Cube to England. I, really, really awesome guy. I was talking to him when I was over in, uh, over in England last November. And one of the things that he mentioned was he went to the University of Basel, and they actually have an entire kind of like Bernoulli building or Bernoulli wing of the library or something that's just filled with busts of the Bernoulli family. That is my dream, to have my own wing of the library with busts. Oh, I yeah. thought it was Yeah, except, except you, want, you want the busts. Bust, bust, yeah. Yeah, the and female busts. You want it filled <laughs> with female boobs. Yeah. That have been cut off and put onto plaques. Yeah, this is... That, that's just Enticing. what you want. Okay. So, and in this Bernoulli area, I, I don't remember if it's a building or a hall or a wing of a library, but I believe it was a library. Uh, someone came out and uh, introduced himself to uh, prof- or to David Singmaster and uh, <laughs> said, oh, uh, are, are you, uh, or, and Singmaster mentioned he's a mathematician. What he, he was just there because, it's, you know, it's the Bernoulli thing. And he looked at him like, oh, hello, I'm blah, 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 Bernoulli. <laughs> Fucking shit. Nice. Uh, he was some sort of scientist, not a mathematician, but uh, he was maybe a biologist or a geologist or something like that. But yeah, he was just totally there in the library, like named after his his great, 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 great grand uncles and fathers and things. Can you can you imagine like if you I could like being a scientist, yeah, cool, but like if you were a mathematician mathematician with the last name Bernoulli, it's like no pressure, but you know Yeah, like I I don't be too much pressure. That's why he's a scientist probably. I think after a while the reason that there weren't any other uh, Bernoulli mathematicians was just like fuck this. Too much expectation. Yeah, like I can't live up to what my forefathers did i'm gonna go do something cool in chemistry i mean if, <laughs> if i had a student in my class whose last name is bernoulli i would tell the other students look if you're having trouble with this go see mr bernoulli and he'll solve all your problems uh, if i had if i had a mathematician named bernoulli in my class i'd ask him what the fuck he was doing in a 100 level math course <laughs> that's true like it's in your genes boy by the way any, any bernoullis who are per chance listening to this uh, who do not especially like mathematician have strug- uh, mathematics have struggled in the past with it. I'm very sorry for that very glib and off-the-cuff comment. I did not mean to make light of any problems and huge family weight that is on your shoulders. And Please write in if you are listening. And, we'd love oh, yeah, to hear, we would love to hear I, from you. I would you. love to hear from a Bernoulli. And, and I especially love to hear if you're if you're bad-mouthing Sam. Because that, that's oh, yeah, I listen and I hate you. Just send it to me. Yeah, and please and do. if you are bad at math, I will tutor you because then I can say I tutored a Bernoulli. And also, anyone uh, from Euler's family, please come here. We want to have sex with you. Yeah. Don't care if you're a guy or a girl. Really doesn't matter. If you're if you're a direct descendant of Euler, totally fine with it. I think um, it works like that. I think if you have sex with with an Euler descendant, you get some of that brilliance. I, I, this is not a unanimous. Just so <laughs> I can I put this out. This is not a unanimous decision in this room. I, I do not take part. In- we'll tie Cody down. He'll do it. He doesn't. He, he did not, he's in denial now. But when he when he sees it, it'll just be like now, it'll be in the eyes, right? Like you can see the Euler brilliance in the eyes. Yeah. yeah. I also uh, if there totally are any Eulers listening, please disregard that and just please send totally us fine with any direct descendant of Leibniz or Gauss as well. 
<laughs> Maybe both of you and direct the set of Euler, me, and then one of the Bernoullis filming. Oh man, man, <laughs> that's a oh man, that sounds fantastic. It does. <laughs> so, uh, so these are the things I want you to do, listeners. I want you to send me an email to samueliacmescience.com. Has no body and the subject line, I listen and I hate you. You can also send me other emails, either correcting something we got wrong, or something I got wrong. No one else ever gets anything wrong here, just me. Uh, or perhaps you might be one of those weird people who like me. You can send another email <laughs> talking to me about that. I love to get emails from anyone who is listening to this show. Second thing, go on to iTunes. Write a iTunes review. We need more. It boosts our... Uh, visibility in iTunes, and if you leave the name of your favorite combinations of permutations guess, I'll do everything I can to get them to thank you personally on air. And third, what was the third thing? Oh yeah, I want you to either tweet me uh, at Acme Science or send in an email describing your dream mathematical descendant orgy. Wow, that is quite a tweet. I can't wait to see it. It just fills up your life, and people just be like, what the fuck is this shit? I, I really, at Acme Science or Samuel at AcmeScience.com, I really, really want to get I'm some thinking, answers to this. I'm thinking a descendant of Euler, Gauss, Riemann, big, a lot of, right? And perhaps Leibniz. And then we just, like, all just, like, wrestle in a tub of Diffie Freeze. Diffie Freeze. And then. <laughs> Oh, that, yeah, that is a told. callback right there. And then we you were weren't just, even on that episode. Awesome. I know. Wow. I think that's one episode he's ever listened to. Did you actually listen to it? No. Oh. It was me and Juan on that I still episode. maintain that I do not listen to this show. It, incidentally, I listened to that one on the way on the way home from Pennsylvania. That, was, that was a really great it was, episode. It was fantastic. Well, go listen to it, everybody. Uh, it's, it's in good. the 40s, I think. It's Yeah, yeah. It's way back, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and so I want you to do all of those things. So for Mr. Cody Palmer, Mr. Brandon Metz, I'm your host, Samuel Hansen, saying please send me that email. I really want to hear, please, and have a good <laughs> math orgy. So that is it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to send me an email, and really please send me an email, it's Samuel at AcmeScience.com. I'm also, of course, always looking for feedback on this show. I'd love to hear what you think. Also, make sure to check out AcmeScience.com for links to the topics we discussed on today's episode, as well as to find out about Strongly Connected Components, the much more serious sister podcast where I have conversations with interesting, read, not guests of combinations and permutations, guests. The theme music and the outro is from SP12. You can find them over at opsound.org. And this episode, as all of our episodes are, is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share-Alike license. So you can pretty much do whatever you want as long as you say that we are the ones who first did it. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you catch the next episode of Combinations and permutations.